Welcome to our weekly and Episcopal Sermon podcast. We are so glad you found us. This is a live recording of the gospel reading and sermon from last Sunday's service at the Episcopal Church in Almaden. The life of this podcast depends on your listening support. If you enjoy our podcast and would like to support us, simply subscribe to this podcast on your channel of choice. Come. Join us along our shared path for today's episode. The Holy Gospel of our Savior Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus said, listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a fence around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he leased it to tenants and went to another country. When the harvest time had come, he sent his slaves to the tenants to collect his produce. But the tenants seized his slaves and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again, he sent other slaves more than the first, and they treated them in the same way. Finally, he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and get his inheritance. And so they seized him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. Now, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? They said to him, He will put those wretches to a miserable death and lease the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the produce at the harvest time. Jesus said to them, Have you never read this in the scriptures? The stone that the builder rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is amazing in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that produces the fruits of the kingdom. The one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, and it will crush anyone on whom it falls. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they realized that he was speaking about them. They wanted to arrest him, but they feared the crowds because they regarded him as a prophet. The Gospel of the Lord. May I speak in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. On Thursday and Friday of this week, members of this congregation were privileged to travel down to San Pablo Apostol Episcopal Church in Seaside and to offer an art camp to the children of that congregation. I went down just on Friday, and on Friday, as I was arriving, the noise of the jets flying low overhead could be seen and heard in the skies. I thought they were the Blue Angels, but indeed they were the snowbirds, the counterpart of the Blue Angels from the Canadian Air Force. The children, of course, were transfixed, especially a small boy named San who insisted that I learn all he knew about jets, which was considerable. He gave me several little tests, which I did not pass. The noise and the shaking reminded me that Fleet Week at least in my mind, among other things, is a show of power. Those airplanes certainly got my attention, both in the Monterey Bay and in the San Francisco Bay, where I live. 
the power of Fleet Week cannot be underestimated. And so it's this topic of power that I'd like us to ruminate on today. The power of Jesus in his life and ministry, in his confrontation of evil and sin, in his crucifixion, death, and resurrection, shows us a different kind of power. It's the power of the servant. This is the servanthood which all of us, every Christian, is invited and asked to strive for. I'm rereading a powerful book that I read probably 15 years ago called Servanthood, Leadership for the Third Millennium by a retired bishop of the Episcopal Church, Bennett Sims. And he reminds us that servant leadership offers a display of power which is a two-way exchange. This kind of power influences other and is open to influence. Our church is designed to operate this way, and let us be sure to say designed, it doesn't always operate this way, but in our best way with people and parish clergy operating with a power which both influences and is influenced by the office of the bishop, just as one example. We can use the same example of the way dioceses work in the Episcopal Church, church-wide, that we all have power and we all are influenced by the power. We are definitely a hierarchical church. There's no question about that. And at the same time, there is a, an exchange of power that happens. We are still working, in my opinion, uh, into a truly mutual power relationship, uh, but we keep trying, and it takes commitment and prayer and work on the part of people in the pews, just like you, in congregations all over the Episcopal Church, which is both in this country and in about 15 other countries. The parable of the tenants and the, the owner. I can't quite do justice to this today because I'm a little bit too identified today with what's happening in the Holy Land. But let's talk about the angry tenants who knew exactly what to do with the son of the landlord. Think about tenants and owners. Think about that, tenants and owners, and some of the stereotypes which we attribute to both these kinds of people. Tenants are absolutely necessary because it is the way the owner gets a return on his or her investment, right, on, on a very basic financial level. The tenant gets a place to be in exchange for money, and the owner is enriched. Tenants are good if they live quietly, keep the place in good repair, make their payments on time. Tenants are good if they don't make very many demands. Landlords, from the tenant's perspective, are necessary because they provide tenants with what the tenants cannot afford to own themselves. And so owners are absolutely necessary to tenants. To tenants, owners are often those people who take advantage of their power position to increase rents, to set the terms under which the tenants may abide in that place, and who may evict the tenants from their place at a moment's notice. Owners for tenants are good if they are responsive to tenant needs, if they keep the place in good repair and don't insert themselves too much into the life of the tenant. Owners are good if they don't make too many demands. Notice that from both points of view, owners and tenants, 
They're good if they don't make too many demands on each other. Leave each other alone to live as they will and everything will be fine. The less relationship, the better, right? We've all been in both these positions, by the way. This is where the parable finds its teaching in this apparent conclusion that the less relationship, the better. You have heard people say, and people have preached a sermon, I'm sure many times, about the fact that we are all the tenants and God is the owner in some kind of way of thinking about our relationship with God. And if we think about it, that may be one way for us to think about our relationship as caretakers, as stewards of this earth and all that it contains in this universe. But God's relationship with us is different than the typical owner's. Because in God's world, God will beckon us over and over again into relationship, no matter what we do. God will never fail to try and establish this relationship, even to the point of putting God's own self at jeopardy. That is how much God wants to be in relationship with all of us. Think back to the parable. Jesus asks the people, what do you think should happen to the tenants? And they say, without hesitation, they should be killed. That's what they say. And this is what we may assume in a deep way that our relationship with God, like our relationship with our family and our friends, seems to have some kind of a limit. But Jesus had a different idea. He wanted the people to know that God's never-ending offer of relationship carried with it absolute mutuality. That in exchange for all that God offers the people who work in the vineyard to produce the fruit to heal the world. This fruit to heal the world is the cornerstone of respect and dignity for absolutely everyone. It's what we say when we renew our baptismal covenant and we say that we will have respect for every living human being and dignity. There was a video a few years ago that played and that was went sort of wild on social media. It was a video about the commander of the United States Air Force Academy. And he became very clear with all the students. Racism would not be tolerated. His message to the young Air Force officers was get on the right side of things or get out. That was his very important message after the Air Force Academy had, had um, endured some terrible acts of racism. It rang true for military folks and non-military folks alike. So the very practical question for me becomes, and perhaps for you, how much of a commitment can I make to a relationship, given what I know about the relationship God is calling me into? How can I understand the relationships I make with other people, given that I know what God is, it wants me to have uh, with God and what I want to have with God. How much, can I, how much can I engage with the homeless person on the street before I have to take control and run her off or run away from her? Can I push myself to go one tiny step further for the sake of the gospel? 
This is what God calls us to. It's not easy work. It's hard work. To know in our bones that more relationship is better than less, and that our fear is assuaged by participating in community, and that our baptismal vows have never been more important in this world, in our country, and our city than they are today. To respect the dignity of every human being. To believe and to try to engage even that which is uncomfortable sometimes is to reflect the heart's desire of our God who calls us over and over and over into relationship again. So when we understand the servant role and our part in it, and our teacher showing us the way, we can proclaim as resurrection people that a self-offering as a servant chooses to endure crucifixion rather than decree an abridgment of human freedom. So we can say when we are able to do that, and we can all do it, and we all have done it, we want to do it more and more. We can say finally as a people that we are free at last and that our liberation, our liberation is the liberation of the world. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's episode on An Episcopal Sermon Podcast. May this episode inspire you to apply lessons from these teachings to your everyday life. If you found inspiration in this episode, go ahead and subscribe to this podcast through the channel of your choice and spread the word. If you would like to see the full service from which today's sermon was drawn, visit our YouTube channel linked in the show notes of this episode. If you would like to support this podcast, feel free to donate any amount to our listeners' support on Anchor or visit the donation page on our website, www.churchinalmaden.org slash donations. 